the button, we're live. We're live. Pre-pod. We've got a list of topics for pre-pod. Oh, firstly, so how the hell is your head after It's back? okay. Thanks. I mean, I've been a little bit disappointed with the, you know, the 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 number of either no people reaching out to inquire. Well, it says a lot about what well, well, it shows the level of concern. Exactly. Also, I woke up with a really bad crick in my neck this morning. No one's really asked how that is. To be fair, it's the first I've heard. Right. Third thing Surprisingly, is... Surprisingly, that's the first before. Well, the third thing, thing is... is your, your holiday uh, in the Blytheswood. Oh, your whole week? <laughs> a week in the Blytheswood with the fine women of Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just even going to... It's beneath contempt. <laughs> in the Blytheswood. Anyway, uh, more uh, importantly... But most importantly... Stuart's wearing a pink shirt. Oh, no, that wasn't what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, but... Uh, he is, is that as well. I'm wearing a pink shirt. But there's he's also... Cha- he's so changed. He used to wear like Space Invaders t-shirts. <laughs> That's you know, And stuff with like Star Wars on it. <laughs> I was going, I don't have a Space Invader. Oh no, the red one. Would be <laughs> no, fair play. What's happened to Father's you? Day gift 2013. And now he's wearing pink shirts and linen trousers. I know. I know. Ladies. Point, listen, pandemic's been <laughs> weird for Stuart. He's lost three stone and he's wearing a pink shirt. i tell you shirt. what, I got the COVID. And linen trousers. <laughs> he, thinks he's, oh, COVID. he thinks he's in Miami Vice. <laughs> you know, no, this is the long. This is the long COVID. I've been able to buy clothes for the first time. Because a lot, I lost a lot of weight. I was walking about in sacks. sacks. <laughs> it was like that. And so I was going. Sam so so said, "With the beard, you know." So I had the crazy hair, had the crazy beard. I closed the sacks. It looked like I lived under a railway bridge. And so, like a troll, going, you know, listening for goats passing over the bridge. Well, you, you know? I'll, I'll tell you what, you've certainly taken it up a notch. Well, you know, all of us I, under pressure. I have sure. to say, it's all been my own doing. I've been buying my own clothes. I've not been, you know, right, Sam, my partner. Anyway. I'm not all just, right. I know, just right. well, just because sometimes you think, well, if you've never bought clothes, who do you buy? What you do is right. You just go online. You just click shit. You get a whole lot of stuff, and then I don't send them back because I'm a guy. So I'm forced to wear them. <laughs> That's why I've stopped buying my husband any clothes for like birthday or Christmas related gifts because I hate having to send all this shit uh, yeah, back. I don't do any it's really not. But Shirley buys all Christmas clothes. I'm just being quiet here. But <laughs> well, that's, that's your personal shopping. Yeah, I've got a personal shopper. Lucky. That's She's quite good at that. What did you say? Yeah. That's not, I said that's very good. I said that's Are yeah. we going to talk cheap. about um, the most exciting highlight of the week? Which is? Which is Stuart's interactions with his, oh, he's famous. Ma- with his man oh, no. crush. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say A, I wouldn't say I'm famous. B, I, although, although I was, I was on but a cross. But so it is your man crush. I'm quite excited. I was quite excited. I was on a section four uh, brand sprint, which is Professor Scott Galloway's thing. And it turns out there's 1,500 Americans on it. Uh, well, no, that's Scotsman. not true. I mean, yeah, and I have a distinctive asset, which is this. <laughs> you know, that's my distinctive asset. And so there, and Professor Galloway has... He, a being Scottish father. himself. Yes, well, his father's Scottish. Then, yeah, that's a clue. The most American Scot ever, yeah. if he is. Yeah, and then he kind of called out and asked where I was from, and then, you know, he's going to buy some Ranger stock and we're, uh, he's going to be on it. I'll put, I'll, what I'll do is I'll splice in. Oh. I can splice in the thing. Scott Although it's, Gallo. you know, at the same yeah. time, it's a very, Stuart, it was very nice. He's going to be so disappointed in you when he finds out that you don't even really know what football is and you're all about the theatre. I'm all about the theatre. No, he probably will like that. But listen, we don't want to well, bleed listen, listeners to Scott Galloway. No, no, but listen, Pudgy. listen, let me we, tell you. We want to keep him right here. I've, I've got, I've like, actually got a story. I've got a story of the, that overlaps both theatre and Rangers. All right. So, Years ago, there was a terrible thing called uh, the Ranger story. And what it was... It was Can like, I just interrupt? Yeah. How long will this take? A couple of minutes. Right. And so, well, it's longer if you keep fucking interrupting. But the kind of thing is, 
So there was a thing called the Ranger Story, which was a theatre uh, production that was going to be at the King's Theatre. And as they did, as part of the in-depth uh, research, uh, the the company of actors went round um, went round Ibrox. Now the company of the, it was more a drinking company with a theatre problem than any kind of proper kind of intelligent kind of artistic RSC thing. It was basically just guys who needed their tax bill paid. Uh, and so, they, but they were all, so all these lobbies were getting shown around Ibrox. And there was a, the wee kind of toady guy who was kind of going, and now this, this is the office of Walter Smith. And in this room, such players have been signed. And they're all right, right okay, next. Then they go, you're now standing on the hallowed turf of Ibrox. And the, 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 the next thing. They went into the trophy. They've got this huge corridor before you go into the trophy room with lots of pictures. And again, this is the winning team of the 1932 Cup Final. And then the other ones, went, and this is a picture of when the King visited Ibrox and we, Ronnie Latham, joined the King. I didn't know Elvis played Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> and he was then huckled by two blue noses beaten to death. You know the nothing king. of this. And on, there's that, a, on that note, there's a strong brand. Welcome to the Good Roundup. Good is a brand consultancy. We are here in the UK, and I am here, Stuart Steele, and pink I am shirted. joined. Pink shirted Stuart Steele is here with Chris Lumsden. We get the blessed with hi <laughs> and Julie Murdoch. Hi there. Her heads all better. Uh, and today's topic of the podcast is, well, it's controversial. And it's based on an article that Mr. Chris Lumsden, hello, hello wrote, uh, wrote uh, on our blog. With, uh, and it's a bit of a rant, isn't uh, it? Yeah, well, it's it a bit of a rant. Well, it's kind of, but I understand where it's coming from. And it's got the provocative title of Sustainability is Killing Branding. Or brands. That's not the title. <laughs> what is okay. the title? Oh. Sustainability is damaging brands, right. but close yeah. enough. Yeah, so, yeah, we're good. So there we go. So uh, what, what, Chris, what motivated you to write this article? Well, now that COVID's over, mm. right, I think it's the, it's the next thing that brands are panicking about and leaning into and getting involved in. And it's been around for a while, but I think really now it's gripping and lots of brands, and we're seeing it, we're seeing it all the time, brands wanting to incorporate sustainability into their story or comms or brand or whatever it is and they're getting themselves tied in a knot working out how to do it so i think i mean even this week we've been on calls where this conversation's mm -hmm. come up and it's quite interesting because it's happening both sides of the the atlantic i mean i think one of the calls we had earlier in the week with the u.s client it's 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 probably being driven i'm sure you maybe know a bit more about this than me but i think there is a, a, a sort of sense that there's going to be some legislation around it mm around, you know, from investors and transparency and that kind of thing about people demanding to know what brands are doing around, they call it the... ESG. ESG. So yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's interesting. So I think we're going to see a lot of it in the coming weeks and months. And I've written some points to say, look, here are some watch outs. But why do you think it's damaging brands? So sustainability is a good thing. Can we agree on that? Yes. Right. So yes. why is it damaging Because brands? I think what's happening is it's taking their eyes coming off the ball and they're becoming sort of unmoored from their real or original purpose and they chase the sustainability kind of narrative instead of 
doubling down on their own product or service narrative. And I think it's dangerous because it's seductive. And so, so I think they're losing a bit of focus and ultimately will we'll end up in a, in a sea of sameness and, lo- and bleed value. So I think it's important to double down and understand where you're from and what makes you you before you start havering on about your sustainability. Well, I've heard you say a lot over the last wee while, you need to remember you're not a sustainability brand. And that's to your point, I suppose, about understanding where that message fits as part of a broader architecture, messaging hierarchies or yeah. whatever. Yeah, you're um, not an energy company or whatever, you know, yeah. Where, yeah, and you're not making sustainable energy. You're making a product or a service and you happen to have very strong beliefs around how that product or service is produced or made. And that's where you can lean into sustainability, right? To kind of kick this off, why, why do you think this has happened? Which I th- Why do you think that suddenly brands are firing into sustainability so heavily, which kind of leads you into your first point, Chris. I think there's the sense that from not just the, the consumer point of view, but you know, there's going to be legislation around this and they're going to, their customers are demanding this within their supply chain. So I think it's just, you know, we might as well get on with it. I think, I think my, so, my, so there are a number of watchouts. I think I've got about five, right? So I think the first one, if... I mm. could be so bold as well, to suggest that I think on. one of the mistakes that, that, that is made is that people lean into this stuff and think that it's a differentiator for them. And I mean, you, Stuart, this week even, were, you know, we're, we're, we're saying, look, it, it's just not. Everyone's doing it. It's a sea of sameness. So it's a box that does get text, ticked, you know, so it's, it's not really a, the differentiator people want it to be. It might feel quite satisfying to, to celebrate it, but it doesn't make you hugely different. And it's kind of, it's just greenwash 2.0, you know. That 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 greenwash used to be about stuff like recycling symbols, but now it's much more kind of, you know, central to the brand and the purpose, perhaps mistakenly so, as I said. And it's gone a bit deeper, so you can read about all of these things, you know, roads to net zero, sustainability policies, commitments to reduction and all this kind of stuff. They're all, they, all, they all kind of sound very similar. So I think that it's not a differentiator. I think it's a ticket to the game. Yeah, and I think they're going to, what you see, see if you've got a picture of trees and a blue sky, oh, yeah. you slap that on. And I think that's what it becomes. The naivety the around the visual yeah, metaphors. Yeah, the visual, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what makes it difficult and challenging because suddenly you start seeing yeah, even visually or not, and then the messaging all kind of it needs feels to mature away yeah. from that very naive, yeah. suggestive, you know, m- m- these metaphors which have sustained the sector for I think, yeah, de- you know, a decade. But it's now it's now moving much much deeper than that. I think. But I think there's I can I can understand why brands will shift some of their focus to talk around sustainability when you think about how sharply it's been brought into focus with all the you know over the last number of years and probably even even more so over the last year with the impact of COVID that mm. the kind of the awareness of the, uh, the broader population of the impact on everything from fast fashion to whatever that it has on the planet that that broader issue of sustainability has become much much more it's moved much further up the agenda and like you say you know the expected legislation around that so you can see why brands are needing to find a way to talk about it and find a way to talk about it in a way that's well i guess that's the point find a way to talk about it in a way that is relevant to your business Mm -hmm. and don't get so distracted by it that the the product or service your core product or service and purpose becomes secondary yeah i i'd agree with that and i think the interesting thing when you're starting to look at, at the category is that it is quite a difficult category to get your head around and it's kind of full of buzzwords and everything else to the point where I just think you, you suddenly as a consumer start to float above it and you go, are you sustainable? Yes. I think then the depth about how sustainable you are becomes a bit woolly because you're, it, it's hard work and, it, yeah. and it, as it should be because it's difficult. There's a big shift in this and it's and hard again, to implement. And again, this taps into some of the, the, the anxieties that 
clients have around it about you know we how many times do we say to them like it's fine to to declare you're on a journey it's not a light yeah. switch yeah. that's on and off yeah. and you you measure yourself against yourself and that that's fair yep. and that's yep. honest actually, yeah and because um, one <laughs> right? of the one of the the small brand the cleaning comp the cleaning products mm-hmm. and they push and they they're i think i can't it's well eco-friendly cleaning products essentially but it's interesting when you look at even although they're a brand that's rooted in production of or rooted in sustainability and rooted in eco-friendly products they still talk about convenience and price as as at that top tier of kind of in terms of customer benefits but they your point about you know it's okay to say you're on a journey even there even even they say we're a champion of plastic free and mm-hmm. fully recyclable mm-hmm. packaging where possible and mm-hmm. where we can't do that we'll do x y or z and i think because no one can be all of these things all the time yeah you can't mm-hmm. and the, it's kind of giving yourself permission to say this is what the journey looks like for our business and we're on a path and we're going to you know, get some things wrong. Or it prevents the, the virtue signaling stuff about saying you're perfect and then getting caught well, that's dumping where, plastic. Yeah, and that's back to the values yeah. thing, isn't it? It's like, does, is it credible? You know, are you in a position where at the moment you can credibly claim to have a sustainability policy that's you know has any depth to it? And I think mm-hmm. that's where brands trip themselves up. Hundred percent. Yeah. But there is a nervousness also around investors because you're seeing a yeah. lot of kind of investors coming and going. What is your policy? And we've seen that over the last few years. And that's as well. ma- that's yeah. a mandatory now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, we've seen a lot yeah. of that with the B two B clients that we. You've can, you've got, and if it's not there, so a lot of them are trying to get ahead rather than asking. They're pushing it harder. Yeah, and, and that's why they want to make it yeah. explicit very quickly, yeah. and it, and it, and it causes trouble for the brand. Yeah, you know, yeah, because the like, yeah, because you know, then you get the pictures of the. The pine yep, trees. And you get the logos. Yeah. The there icons. you go. Here we go. Pine trees out. Get the pine yeah. trees out, son. And I think, so So the second point leads me on to say that the, the cruel reality is, I think, <laughs> perhaps, consumers don't care or don't care that much. And, and that's true about lots of things. So, you know, there's a difference between what they say, what they do, and what they say they do, right? So you stop people in the street and ask them, do you care about the environment? And they'll say, of course, of course they do. But if you go on and track the way they behave and how they spend, then they behave slightly differently. So... I think companies get themselves tied up in this knot as well, which is like it's it's really important to our customer base. Now, I, I accept the investor base is a different thing, but so they start to make claims that are probably at too high a level. You know, the reality is consumers want ease, they want frictionless, hassle-free experiences, and if the brand is also doing something good for the environment at the same time, then great, that acts as a tiebreaker. I think, and I think, and, you know, yeah, and I would, I think part of the, you touched on it earlier, the kind of greenwash, I think there is still so much confusion around recycling and what that, it's confusing for consumers, it's still confusing. And I think there's a scepticism and lack of trust for brands that are, you know, in that, how much of it, where does it all actually end up? Do you know what I mean? And around the product labeling of that. But I think that itself, or I guess, does it, does that issue around the confusion around that result in the kind of because I think there's a pushback to then the to brands and manufacturers from consumers to say this is your responsibility. Yeah. You need to take you know you you need to make sure that you're being and it's you know, growing sustainable because you know it yeah. kind of it's almost a bit of a shift. I think it's growing. I, you're right. I mean, I, and I'm not saying that there aren't groups of consumers and companies for whom it is much much more and it's deeper and and people do behave that way. But I think still it's quite niche. But for now, but it's it's growing. And I think in small, essentially, is the same, you know, they, right. they're a subscription-based model, but a big part of their messaging is around the convenience of it. So yeah. they talk about performance, they talk about de- engineering and developing the best quality products on the market, delivered to your door, you know, based on literally you fill in a, <laughs> fill in a thing going, how many loads of washing do you do a week? And then they mm. calculate how many tabs you'll need and they send you them once a month. 
Yeah. As much as it's about the decision to purchase an eco-friendly product, it has to be, yeah. it's to your point about that frictionless. So if it's if it's eco-friendly and it's also saving me running out of washing yeah. up powder, great, all yeah. the better because it's stuck through my letterbox, you yep. know, they're mm. packed. It's kind of, even for, you know, I guess that's where I think it's, it is interesting because even for brands like that who are, who are rooted in a, a purpose that is about eco-friendly, being eco-friendly and sustainable, the, the broader proposition and the broader value prop of the of the brand is is, a, mm. is more than that. Mm-hmm. Similar to we've done a bit of work and you know and safety is is in that space as well. It comes there's you know judgment. It's important, but it's not. It's not, not the, the core thing. of the brand. Yeah. And I think yeah. I, th- I think when you move into B two B, it feels more like a tiebreaker because it's much more considered purchase, and that's where you start seeing the wall of everything and the, the pictures of the pine trees and yeah. you know, we're we're doing reforesting and. That's where it starts to kind of go. And when everybody then starts saying we are sustainable. So, for example, Interface, for example, which is one of our clients, the carpet tile. Who, who are one of the guys yeah, that and have they genuinely are. made that? Yeah, they've, yeah, they've gone in and they've been doing it for 30 years. And they're not kind of coming into it. But the challenge is they've been saying we are sustainable. And the challenge then is everybody else is saying we are sustainable. Yeah, and how does a consumer yeah, know? Yeah, well, yeah, well, not even a consumer. Well, yeah, how does the buyer. The, yeah, the buyer kind of go, well, and they've got to do a lot of digging. Seems like more work. You've got to have a. A, a quasi-scientific degree yeah, to, yeah. To, to, to understand. Yeah, because yeah. it's so t- complicated. Yeah. So that's when it does feel like it's a tiebreaker. But interface is interesting one from the next part, oh. my next point, because I think one of the other mistakes is that, and I mentioned at the beginning, companies begin to think it's part of their own DNA. And, and you know, that's where, I guess, the friction begins. We did a process not that long ago, and I, and I was amazed when we interviewed some people that they said that sustainability was their secret sauce and was at the heart of their, their business. And I was quite surprised by that. So I think that, I think that it's an example of, you know, organizations and, and staff and people becoming confused about what lies at the heart of their offer and maybe just becoming a bit complacent about it and taking it for granted and what it is that makes them stand out. But I think that, and again, when we, when we talk about those kind of brand foundations driving behaviours beyond more than just, like we were touched on with Apple last week, you know, it's not just about the product, it's their approach to everything. I think the interesting example with a B2B business or a manufacturing business like Interface is when you, we visited their their new head office, well, it's not new now, is it, over in Atlanta a couple of years ago now, and Jim was talking about the, the water system that they've put in in the building and the, how the, the toilets work with it. You know, it's all about kind of renewable whatever it is you know the water grey water is that what it, yeah, yeah, it was so it's like water. you were advised not to drink the water out of the toilet literally a sign <laughs> can you Which imagine is what we normally do glass can you imagine my disappointment that, it's good that they told us I think that. they were you know they, they knew the Scots were coming they were like those guys will have their heads down those toilets in no time but it was interesting you know and again you, then thinking about it from a kind of employee value prop point of view you know, you know those stories mm. and the kind of the requirement of employees to want to who want to work for businesses that take sustainability seriously you know all those stories but that's where it, again it, it's about more than you just have to the, be able, yeah. the product and the kind of the, the headline that you put on your sustainable. You have to be able to turn website. the volume up and yeah, down exactly. of these things. So the trick is not to let this dominate the foundational values that define the corporate DNA. It's complementary, yes, but it's not more important than the products and services you are selling. So I think the point is that if you do begin to think that this is dominating the brand conversation, perhaps you need to take a step back. But What's even your... when even the ones that do, like you mentioned, interface, and I think. They are truly one of the leaders, the trailblazers in this space, particularly from a B2B heavy manufacturing point of view. Huge kudos to them. But they still struggle with it. They've been doing it for years. They still struggle with it. They still struggle to know how to turn the volume up and down on those messages. And they still worry about the competition. And you're right, Stuart. The competition can make claims that are not as deep 
but to the consumer or the buyer, they look equally valid. Yeah. How do you discriminate? Yeah. That's a big and issue. It, and especially that, uh, that buying point, because if you, if you identify a carpet tile from Interface that's got XYZ thing on it, but costs a little bit more, because that's the other thing, is that the sustainability comes at a premium. Mm-hmm. It, because you know they've put in a lot of innovation on it, and it's it's expensive to produce, but you're, there's another payoff for that. And then it gets to the guy who's then buying it and goes, wait a minute, I can get a tile that looks like this, and it's $3 less, and they're saying it's sustainable. Mm. And that's when it gets really tricky, because... What sustainable is now such a blanket term. It's like the internet. It's like, well, it's sustainable. You know, the internet is many things all combined together. Same as sustainability. It depends. You've got to go deeper than that. And that's where the, mm-hmm. that's where it gets a little bit tricky. What's next? What are you talking um, next about? You're talking about one. logos, Chris. Logos. This is number four, isn't it? I think. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what happens is, as you said, Stuart, earlier, you know, in, in the rush to embrace it and showcase how serious and an endeavor it is for the business and committed we are we start creating identities and marks uh-huh. uh, that, that, that get in the way of the, the main brand and it shows commitment to the cause and the, and you know and that that, that could be for product services departments anything but they create noise mm. one of our like, manufacturing clients did it recently i can't even remember what it was called it was brand x something with a few leaves stuck behind is it, it the eco like, 2000 <laughs> Because <laughs> if anybody like, else is, what are you, you going to do with that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What are you? What, what well, are you apart, doing? Yeah, apart from setting bad precedents and you know conventions, it just mm. runs away with itself. And and it, from the outside in, it gets confusing. It looks it looks difficult. It distracts or divides attention away from the main brand. And and that that that's a challenge. And again, part of our job is to clear up all of these. <laughs> it's like you know cleaning up plastic from the oceans. It's clearing up sustainability logos from corporate architecture. Yeah, because there are too many of them. The challenge with that, if I were to be. Yes. Yeah. The challenge I've got on that, not that I, do, of course, not that I disagree, but you can understand the hotel being paid with good intentions. You know why that's come about because they're proud of it and they want to make, a, they want to shout out about it. And they're actually taking it so seriously. They're slapping a, a logo with leaves on a, on a product. You know, we've got one client that's actually made up a, a word to kind of get there, you know, and the problem with the making up a word is that you've got to then explain the word and the word explains is actually sustainability. And that's where it gets confusing. But I can understand the motivation behind it because you're wanting to really show your depth of commitment to this. No, but I sometimes think I sometimes think the opposite, that actually if we stick a logo on it, it'll make it look like we're serious as to as opposed to actually challenging yourself to put together a robust sustainability I, position. Do you know what I mean? It's I, absolutely. Like we'll just put a logo I, I, on this. I, I'm, I am hoping in, in this ex- made-up example that they, they've got that behind it. And I think that's even more... I'm not saying they do, but I'm just saying I would hope that yeah. they do. And But what's driving that is then they're, they're so proud of it that they want to badge it. And that, that can be... I can understand the instinct. So, would you never do it? Would you say? You know, I, 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 you're right, and I agree with both of you. I mean, I think Julie's right as well. I think sometimes it's, 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 it's almost a, a sort of impatiently naive yeah. solution to, yeah. to, to a problem, rather than saying, right, this is the strategy and the long term plan, the direction. Let's fully integrate this into the fabric of what we do properly, and don't need logos and buzzwords to do that. We can do that by demonstrating. Our own behavior and commitment, but but some no, I've never seen it. You know, in branding, you never say never. You know, <laughs> that's know, what. Yeah. That's, but you know, there may well be uh, room and time to do that. But I think we would counsel caution around creating suites of things because you know one brings two, brings three, mm, and all of stop. a sudden from the outside in, it's what what am I looking at? So it has to be done within a very 
carefully kind of considered strategic context, I would say. And I think to your point, John, which I totally agree with, please, please don't think I was disagreeing, or even, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's that thing where like, what we would say is that's your grand statement, badging that with a logo. We would we would be then kind of going in, can you show us all the proof points? And that's yeah. where the weakness kind of goes, well, you know, we've, uh, mm. we, we, we recycle you know, our boxes we, that we send yeah. our we've big machines out. We'll switch the lights off when yeah. we leave oh, it. Like, we never I mean, went. we don't. Let's be honest. Well, I always do. Yeah, yeah so, and, I, and I think that leads on to you know the last the last thing is about and you again it was mentioned earlier is about simplicity. So sometimes you know you're in it and you can get out of it and you're going to have to talk about it. And again, I think if you do make it as simple and and as accessible as possible, because the the subject area, the subject matter, as you hinted at, Stuart, is once you scratch that surface, it's actually very technical very mm. quickly. And very few people have the wherewithal and can be bothered to try and understand it. So, and there was, a, I was interested in, in researching this. You know, there was a piece of uh, research came out from the, the UK government's public attitudes tracker around some of those terms that are being thrown around that companies just seem to have embraced on the assumption that we all know what they're talking about. But things like nearly, you know, almost 70% of people don't know what carbon capture is. That's huge. You know, they don't know mm. what it is. So if you're talking about it, you're going to have to explain it. Equally, more than half of UK adults don't know, hadn't heard of, or don't know anything about net zero. So net zero seems to be an accepted narrative or course of action for, for lots of businesses. So I think the advice from that report was, look, if you're going to talk about these things, use simple phrases like we're embracing recycling or we're, we're doing what we can to reduce emissions. Yeah, that works. Well, right? and it's interesting because we—it's similar. To, it's not a million miles away from what we touched on last week with regards to technology and the language. You know, you, again, mm, Stuart's example yeah. of Apple, where the M1 chip, the description of that on the on the homepage is, you know, the language that you, they use is really accessible and really easy. And I think the same applies here. And I was, you know, I know it's a B two C example, but Allbirds, which is you know a, a brand that's been built on sustainability, even the language they use on their homepage. Light on your feet, light on the planet. Break a sweet, made for nature, from nature, from nature for nature, or whatever. You know, it's like even moving us, taking it back a notch from the the detail around what sustainability means. Even when you're talking about it from a brand perspective, the language, the simpler the language, the the more effective it's going to be. And I think it's kind of the same principle as how we talk about the language around technology. Mm, just yep. be careful. Yeah. Yeah, and and never assume. Take what you think consumers or customers understand about it cut it by 50% and then use language based on that. Yeah, because I think we've also had that challenge with carbon negative and carbon positive. Oh yeah, incredibly. You know, because it's like, negative is actually not negative. And actually, because since that, that, since the time of doing that project, I've flipped them in my head and I'm confused. <laughs> and we've actively tried to understand that. Yeah, yeah. And it's just one of these, because there's so much and it keeps changing and it's very much a, in, as you said earlier on, Chris, in the zeitgeist of, of trends and it's very complicated and as you said we've been involved in it and trying to get it back and it is to your point Julie, just trying to make it as simple as possible give depth mm. you know it's not that you're mm -hmm. it's not like you're hiding the depth from it allow people to explore that depth but at least make the the opening invitation to find out about that depth as simple as possible and then take it all the way down yeah and also, because at the end of the day, like Chris said, you know, you said at the start don't overestimate how much people actually care when push comes to shove so Make it easy to understand at the top level, and if they if they want to be arsed about reading three pages of content about your approach, all your yeah. sustainability initiatives, then make sure that the depth is there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that's it. That's is sustainability is more likely to be complementary to your brand comps than integral. 
my favourite line. It's a side salad, not the main course. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, you're a wordsmith you are a genius. Love you're, that. Like, you're like a, lo- a young John That's Carvey. going to be the title for the sustainability side salad. That's going to be the no. title for that. Pod. No, it's not. Why not? Because, right, let's break that down. Sustainability is the side salad. So is it, are we doing a food podcast? He's now, gone, he's now being serious. Are we no, doing no, a food podcast? Well, I think no, this is what you call no, taking a bit of your own advice. Yeah, what would you sorry. say yeah. if a client came to you with that suggestion? Physician, heal thyself. <laughs> Quite right. I apologise. You're welcome. Just don't like, do it again. It was like with the Apple podcast, there was a lot of chat about, well, we do a pun. I mean, no, let's just call it Apple brand lessons, right? It's just Apple brand lessons. So sustainability brand lessons. No, well, yeah, you could call it that. That's maybe or not. I, no, I quite like sustainability as damaging brands. <laughs> hey, and I'm not saying I'm right. It's just our, my, well, mostly this is my view. You guys are kind of on board and disagree with no, some. No, I don't know. I, I agree like, with it. Listen, brother, we just sent it's... something over to a client where we sent we sent five LinkedIn pictures that all looked the same and had the same message and they all said the same thing, like we're sustainable at AF. And, you're and this going, is a brand that talks about sustainability being one of their key pillars. Uh, it's like, yeah. well, mm. it would, by the looks of things, it's also the key pillar of your... Yeah, yeah. So that's when so. it becomes, as your point, Chris, it becomes a tiebreaker at best. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's kind of going, well, pick your pick your colour of pine tree because that's what you're really going to be basing it on because mm. we're, we're as sustainable as sustainable is and we're doing reforesting and it just becomes then a tiebreaker. But that was good, Chris. A short and sharp. I like Chris, it. You're, you're a brand guru. You are a brand guru. I try. <laughs> 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 and it's been so nice to see you both. Right. Until next week, where I, Julie will be the brand guru. I'm well, on holiday next week. Oh, Stuart will be the brand guru. Okay. Oh, and I just, it may sound as if we're in a garden, but we've had the windows open because we're in the Glasgow three day summer season. <laughs> it's, so. tro- it's tropical. We, we've reached the 20 yeah. plus degrees. Yeah. So we're, it's, on, uh, we're only 70% cloud cover. So, that, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's, that's. No global warming here. <laughs> no, no. Brilliant. Thanks All very right. much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. 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 bye.